Yeah, not polite to stare. I wish I knew what that was. It's not polite to stare. Did she have a fake leg or something? Or am I dreaming that? Or she gets her arm cut off too or something? To make it look like she does? Something is coming back to me. Yeah, yeah, to leave something at the scene. You're right. She did do something like that. That's the thing that we probably have to talk about. She's got all her limbs in this picture. So, uh, yeah. We're oh, is that now. how you start a thing? We've had uh, three episodes so far. We put out our uh, pretty soft opening. How soft was it? <laughs> soft serve ice cream. Great success, as Borat said, I think, in his comment that he left. I'm trying to remember when uh, the first time we brought to everyone's attention the auction for uh, Major Reloaded. Was it over two episodes ago? I think it was the same time that uh, Roma got a boo-boo. So that's why we're here today, though. That's why we're here. A lot of people don't go anywhere to see this thing, but we did it. Yeah. And uh, we let you know, too. Now that you've had a whole boatload of time to ruminate on the whole uh, experience, let's reel it back. What do you think? I really liked the uh, going through the years or all the films that came out in that year. I remember doing it uh, when we filmed it, and it seemed long winded. It actually like put everything into uh, perspective about Romeo is bleeding and like, how it couldn't even have been in the top thirty because you named off thirty films that were all classics, right? Yeah, nineteen ninety three, baby. You don't yeah. get any hotter of a year cinematically. <laughs> yeah, it was the yeah you know, that was like the start of the new era. <sighs> Weird time to start an era though on the third year. <laughs> oh yeah. Besides the point, I mean, Rome none of them wasn't made in a day. Isn't we don't got control say? over eras. Yeah. Um, Lest we try. Going to be spoilers in this episode as well, but you know what? You, know, I, you guys can't take that personally because just today, like I was talking with Adam, that yeah, we spoil movies for ourselves all the time. Hold up! I don't think there's you can even spoil this thing. It's so convoluted. Yeah, true. I think I used the word convoluted during it. Convoluted? You used the word convoluted. <laughs> it's too convoluted. I think you're more lost after listening yeah. to us talk about this it. This is, and then, you know, when we watch a movie. Even us. Even odds, us. Like, odds against us, yeah. even us. Yeah, we can't remember everything in the movie, so halfway through an episode, we're like, didn't this happen? I know. I think the most interesting part of this episode. You know, it came out right after Long Goodbye, so there is that comparison of, uh, you know, Neo-Noir. Romeo is Bleeding was put out 20 years later, mm -hmm. but still had more of a film noir feel than Long Goodbye did. Yeah. Because well, it was more to the formula. Well, they threw everything against the wall, yeah. and nothing stuck. Teflon fever dream of the Neo-Noir genre. We uh, talk about mirrors for the first time. Oh, yeah. Which be something that we are revisiting. Yeah. May revisit mirrors. There is all these weird connections that I've been putting together through all the episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, so you guys can probably put that together, too. 
This intro is like a mirror, just a reflection on terribleness. But yeah, spoiling movies for one another. One another? <laughs> oh, like, may I offer you the end to sleepers. Yeah. People that watch this, uh, these episodes and uh, we spoil movies for them. We do it to each other. But we... Uh, Did we catch all the spoilers? I know, know we tried to put it in for Good Morning, and there wasn't that many. I was like, yeah, it kind of ruined the plot of some books a little bit. Um, fuck. Spoilers. They're, oh, we got to get problem. off the spoiler topic, though. There's so much more to cover in this. Yeah. Okay, off the spoilers. It's not a good way to end it, though. <laughs> Let's go back into it. Back yeah. in the spoilers. Just to find a better way out. You know, there's movies that we're always trying to show each other, like that we talk about, but we know which movies <laughs> No, no, you're not liking it. I love Romeo's bleeding. Yeah. I stare at the poster every day. Iconic lines like, you know the best part about making it with a cop, Jack? He's got two guns. Oh, you've read it? Oh, yeah. Eyes in the back of my head. Oh, is that one on there? What about, uh, you want to gra- dig one grave or two? Yeah. That's yeah. in the podcast. Are you trying to spoil <laughs> the podcast? <laughs> it's one of the most interesting line in the whole thing. <laughs> I was going to mention that next. Is it right behind me? <laughs> Oh, someone's head is blocking it out, I'm sure. Hope I'm not leaning into your uh, mic again. Yeah, we all hope a lot of stuff. We promise we're going to pick up more Matrix Reloaded DVDs so that we can fulfill (laughs) fan demand. (laughs) What are we going to call our fans? The like the sleepies? The Reloaded Ears. (laughs) It's a beautiful name. There's not a whole lot of Reloaded Ears out there already. Gagonians, yeah. Simpsonites. <laughs> it has to do with uh, what about the tired master minions? Somebody, <laughs> somebody. Okay. <coughs> okay. What? <laughs> what else do you got? <laughs> you get into this episode or not? Some noise from Studio B. White Snake's over there recording tonight. The year was 1993. Yeah, I suppose it was. Peter Maydak came out with uh, Romeo is Bleeding. Yeah. A film that I think really uh, fell through the cracks of the early 90s, especially in the neo-noir category. Yeah. Uh, quick introduction. Right. Of how we came across this film, yeah, wasn't it wasn't even recommended to us or anything like that. As it but, shouldn't have been. Spoiler was, alert! Uh, my friend Brady, who we just met through uh, uh, my dad's business, went up to his place, uh, hit it off about the wire. Same guy that gave me the uh, the novel that I still yet haven't got to, but oh, yeah. uh, uh, you've read it. Yep. Um, and then he later on, uh, donated to the campaign that sent me to, uh, California yeah. to the Catalina Film Festival. And then he texted me and said, Hey man, I got these, uh, plaque posters. Two of them are, uh, Pulp Fiction. You know, I'm just going to throw them out if you don't want them. Yeah. And I went and picked them up. Two beautiful plaque uh, Pulp Fiction like you can tell these must have these are the posters of that time because they say uh yeah the director of reservoir dogs they're not even like quentin tarantino's pulp fiction yeah you know what i mean they're they're hyping up his last movie because he's still like a an up-and-comer i guess this would uh pulp fiction was a sophomore yeah film. it doesn't say checo django on it yeah exactly uh but there was a third plaque poster and it was Romeo is bleeding, and the only way I could justify putting it up on the wall, which you see behind me, 
is uh, watching the damn thing. Yeah. And that's what brings us here. Yeah, Peter Medak, you know, did direct episodes of The Wire, including the third episode of the first season. Wow. Where Omar is introduced. How full circle is that? Yeah. And this is something that you like you're just bringing to to light for me now. Yeah. And Omar being one of the best characters in dramatic television. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy cuz another thing that he had directed was an episode of Breaking Bad called Peekaboo that was like pretty praised for reversing the roles of Jesse and Walt. Okay. And actually, uh, TV Guide in 2009 had it as one of the 100 best episodes in television history. Wow. So this guy does have a little bit of a, you know, a pedigree. Like, although the one who wrote it was the same person who wrote Wag the Dog and um, Roadhouse? I forget now. Um, but she was like one of the main people involved in making this movie. Mm. So some of the convolution that we might get into a little bit later on, with how densely packed this thing is, yeah. could have been one of those things where she had too much control, producer on it as well. And I think, um, you know, had a lot of say yeah, as well. exactly. Also, we should just talk about a couple of the other things Peter Medak has done that's not TV, such as uh, movie The Craze. I would, that's the one that I was going to bring up, too, because yeah. I think uh, it would have been the movie that he did right before this, mm-hmm. or a couple of years prior. I don't know if he did one between 1990 and 1993. No, I'm not sure. That's definitely one that I'd be interested in seeing Yeah, as a preceding Legends, where uh, Tom Hardy was both it wasn't really on my radar this one yeah the other one no it was yeah it took me a while to get around to the other one as well ruling class um which i don't know that much about but i know it's like a guy who has schizophrenia or something and something something maybe he becomes a king (laughs) yeah that's a flip Peter Medak, I think, might still be kicking. Did uh, a movie a couple of years ago on the dating game killer, Rodney Alcala. This killer was actually on like the dating game television show, going down to the beat, saying the girls, hey, I want to take your picture, and he does that, and then he, you know, kills them. Oh, and he did a thing on uh, Peter Sellers. I really wanted to check that out because Peter Sellers' life is something that always uh, really interests me. Hmm. I read a book by his son called P.S. I Love You, different from the movie, but it's uh, by Michael Sellers and uh, basically spends the whole book talking about what a dick Peter Sellers is or was in real life and how terrible... And how he left them like nothing when he died. Tarnishes his legacy a little bit from like the Pink Panther. He's mm. looking at the he yeah, kid. <laughs> <laughs> the Clouseau. Yeah. Anyway, interesting read. Peter Madoc also did uh, The Channeling. I don't what? know if you've ever heard of it, but uh, The Channeling is a, a horror film that has been suggested to me to watch. And is... Uh, 13 years before Romeo's Bleeding came out. Back in 80? Yeah. So, uh, shows he's had quite a long career. I think he's been inactive since 2018. Long career of putting things out on tough years. I mean, 80. It's up against The Shining, this thing? Yeah. The channeling? Yeah. Well, I guess one thing just about 93... You know, steep competition yeah. for movies that year. So I feel like with this one, you can be forgiven for maybe not having seen it. Yeah. Um, 
Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, Miss Doubtfire, The Fugitive, Schindler's List, The yeah. Firm, Cliffhanger. I mean, that's September through November, every weekend booked up just about. Yeah. Not to mention you get Homeward Bound, Leprechaun, Vanishing, Groundhog Day, The Crying Game, Army of Darkness. A lot of that's my childhood. The CB4. Ooh. Most underrated uh, parody film. <laughs> it's genius. Ahead of its time. I know. You start feeling like you're in the wrong neck in 1993 right now. Here. If CB4 came out after Straight Outta Compton. It would have been a huge success. I think so, yeah. yeah. But somehow it was 20 years before. Yeah. People <laughs> didn't know how real some of those yeah. funny stories in CB4 yeah. were. But Menace to Society was out. Yeah. Super Mario Bros. Last Action Hero, Dennis the Menace, Free Willy, Hocus Pocus, Coneheads, Poetic Justice. I mean, like... Just the, to name a few. <laughs> dazed and Confused. California. Oh, it's definitely been up there. I love that movie. It's funny, my dad always tells people to watch California, but he says, you know, California with a K. So people always search up California with a K, like type out the whole thing because yeah, they don't yeah. get it. <laughs> it's just California <laughs> spelt with a K. And uh, just to cap things off a little tiny bit, we have Carlito's Way. Three Musketeers. Okay. Adam's Family Values. Nice. So you're starting to see threes and then twos, like the Sister Act 2, Wayne World 2, yeah, Beethoven 2nd. Like the era of the sequel, the trilogies. Yeah. Um, in Tombstone. How many times that movie's came up in the past couple weeks or months? There's been like multiple references to that film. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I can see why this wouldn't be exactly on the radar of the mainstream in 1993. But uh, we've covered neo-noirs before. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely a neo-noir. With a... Uh, I think the because there was such an original uh, character in... Um, the long goodbye all right um so apparently named for a tom Waits song actor as well as yeah, musician the funny uh how i know tom Waits more than anything is from uh seven psychopaths oh which seems to be a reoccurring theme in some of these episodes <laughs> so we might have to watch that yeah he's got a couple of tunes i didn't listen to a whole lot of tom Waits despite my vast musical listening intuitiveness. Um, but yeah, Old 55, Hope, Don't Fall in Love. And uh, I was listening to a couple of them just to get it, because I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Time, which reminded me a lot of the Leonard Cohen song, Chelsea Hotel 2. Yeah. I listened to this movie's namesake as well, where we're talking about the movie now. Yeah. This Romeo is bleeding, as we have a great allegory for that <laughs> standing in. Yeah, what do we know about this movie? What do we know about this movie? Uh, I think it was, you know, very clear. You know, they really wanted to check off, hit all those check marks of what is a film noir, like very well-established things yeah. the compositions yeah and like, uh, lighting lighting um you know the anti-hero mm -hmm. antagonist was you know m way more jaded than usual mm -hmm. the femme fatale was yeah you, know, you didn't even second guess who she was yes. as soon as she entered the room so just so we know who we're talking about here you got Gary Oldman, 1993 Stella. in his prime, yeah, arguably. Okay, so this was just to put a timeline of Gary Oldman's career right quick. Right. And I can't do this for every uh, actor and actress, but he was coming off Dracula mm -hmm. and True Romance. Nice. 
and he did Romeo is Bleeding right before he did a Guns N' Roses video. What? And then Leon the Professional. Oh, man. He's... So he's really hitting some... He's he's on his streak right now. Yeah. He's on his, in his prime. And this one, he's Sergeant Jack Grimaldi. Yeah. In his one life, and then in his double life. Yeah. Because the uh, hit woman... Which we'll talk about. Um, known to her, I think, is Jim Daugherty. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? Crooked cop falls under the spell of a hit woman? Yeah, because it's, it's very well established that he's corrupt right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Like this guy's um, burying money. Yeah. He's got a money hole. Yeah, but where he got that money, you know, trying to play both sides, really. What I believe happened to get that money was the dude from Jaws, Roy, whatever his name is in the movie, he, like, sells him information or something? Like, doesn't he make a boatload off of that? Yeah, exactly. So there's, like, the whole thing... um, which I liked was the looking through the binoculars. Yeah. And, um... Uh, yeah, it was funny to see Roy in that character. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, when did Jaws come out? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. What I was going to say was he was uh, really trying to look at things. Like, he's looking through the binoculars. Yeah. But he's seeing what's on the other side of it. Yeah. Like the sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle that's behind it. You know, the money yeah, exactly. and all the excitement and yeah. everything. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> I didn't want to cut you off or anything. No, but no. I just thought this movie was pretty hilarious how, as they introduce the characters, like this guy doesn't have just his old lady. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's he's married. Yeah, he's married. He's got a mistress. He's got a mistress. Juliet Lewis. Yeah. And then he gets a what a girlfriend? I don't know. This yeah. hit woman, he, you know, this, do anything uh, for. Ba- uh, basic instinct like mm-hmm. femme fatale. Yeah. Who uh, wanted by the mob? Wanted by the mob. Wanted by the cops. Yeah. And he's actually, uh, like, hiding her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's Roy that would have sent him on this way. Down this terrible path. Yeah, down the terrible path. But it was funny, like, his establishing scene, like, this guy does not need a bigger house. <laughs> that would make Tony Montana jealous. The size of that that acreage in the backyard that you had there done well since jaws yeah exactly um and then juliet lewis yeah established very early on i think maybe even established before the wife is Mm -hmm. maybe and uh they kind of have some fun where she's putting a blindfold over him and all this Mm kind of stuff you can tell that uh, she wants more out of the relationship than he does. Yeah, I think it was around then we started overthinking mirrors and stuff too. Yeah, because it's a very uh, narration-driven film. Mm-hmm. Uh, narration right off the bat, and they're talking about ghosts, and that's was like, all right, that was what we thought was a, a yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Look who's not showing up, yeah. you know, Dracula. Yeah, and then he has the femme fatale in the hotel room where he's hiding out with her yeah and she's sitting kind of basic instinct like talking to him three mirror Mm -hmm. uh like hinged corner mirrors or whatever you want to say yeah so like they pick up a lot of different angles but he's not in any of them none of them so we're like oh my god maybe like that's what they're playing on this early spot here yeah exactly but then later on they started having him in the reflection so we thought maybe we're uh, onto a red herring or something that mm-hmm. we thought made sense, but we definitely was apparent. Yeah, was a part of their game plan, anyways. Yeah, when it came to shots. 
we're so in the i into the idea of noir that we were inventing our own red herrings yeah exactly um but speaking of shots they had a lot of moving crane shots which i think was heavily inspired by eight and a half oh yes yes which is yes. a film i think it's rated number one of the criterion collection yeah. and we'll definitely be covering later on as opposed to 6.6 6 on imdb <laughs> um but yeah there was lots of because we just watched like a trailer or something mm-hmm. of eight and a half or watched a scene i think maybe yes a scene i think um and so much movement and like these large crane shots mm-hmm. uh and then we went right to romeo was bleeding and they had a lot of that too i know didn't expect to see it again <clears throat> so soon yeah exactly so you know that's up for debate if they took inspiration from that uh eight and a half another thing going back to the narrations just so we hit all the the moments when we're there mm-hmm. uh I did like how the narrations, he was very clear and slow, but as the story gets more intense, the narrations get crazier. (laughs) And when he's kind of most out of control, it's very echoey and dark and Mm kind of sadistic or scary or there's I know. To it, you know what I mean? And you really start to question, like, is this an unreliable narrator? Yeah. Exactly. And sometimes the actions don't match the narration. Yeah. And it's very interesting. Like, the narration was definitely a hot button topic about it. Yeah. Because it starts out with the, and there's all those, like, by 93, there's, like, a ton of predisposition already on, you know, hearing narration and this sort of thing. Like, it seemed probably like a bad idea to some people. Yeah. But it does work, I think. Yeah. You know, it's not everyone's cup of tea for this one, for sure. In a way, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of helping hand with all of the the balancing of three yeah. women on the go. Yeah. And his, because uh, his wife... Mm-hmm. Natalie. Wasn't, it wasn't just a pushover. She really yeah. kind of embodied the rosy... Yeah, you know, we can do it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, worker, late worker woman that's kind of like she's strong. She's not yeah, a pushover. A little ahead of her time, maybe mm-hmm. when it comes to feminism, uh, which really sets her uh, from Juliet Lewis, who's very, you know, she's a floozy is the best way to mm-hmm. uh, describe her. Uh, you can tell she wants more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might kind of have some sympathy for her, but you can tell that Gary Oldman knows that's not what he wants. Mm-hmm. You know, to bring home to Mama. Yeah. What do you think the best love scene in the movie was? I don't know. There's quite a few. <clears throat> there was uh, a standout one. I guess MTV that year really preferred the one where uh it was that front seat back seat one there was like the choking with the handcuffs and then up come the legs and those are wrapping around they tried some uh positions that you don't usually (laughs) see on basic television yeah and i don't know if it resulted in a win 100 percent, but uh you know it was definitely considered yeah and it shows that you know this guy just could not could not uh make a good decision if his life depended on it he was so weak internally because you know he he fucks her the first time and then the cops walk in and then the next time i'm pretty was that after he chopped she chopped off someone's arm (laughs) and killed juliet lewis that she's like how about one more spin and he's like (laughs) <laughs> and he does it again and it's like god damn you, you don't even know why you're rooting for this guy at that point and i think that's a big thing about uh neo-noirs is yeah you're kind of battling with yeah you're on you're on this journey with this character that you might not really respect or like i don't know maybe you do relate to him uh, I, I don't know i don't know if you yeah. 
It's hard to imagine being in his shoes, I guess. Yeah. It's like everyone has two sides of them kind of thing, mm-hmm. the angel and the devil, and it's almost like looking at yeah. just the devil side. Like, all your <laughs> lack of inhibitions, all your bad decisions embodied in this one character. Oh, just... no, it's just a little bit of a leap of faith. Hope everything works out fine. <laughs> um, so... I wish I could say more about the uh, gangster. Mm-hmm. It was Sivani or... Uh... Well, it did have a few familiar faces in it. Yeah. It had Ron, a young Ron Perlman. Yes. It had uh, uh, the dude from Sopranos, Polly Walnuts, yeah. made a little... Yeah. Siskel or Evert said, to the effect of it had everything but a story. And by the end... We just really don't care. He's in the bar at the beginning, establishing him. And then he spends the movie looking at spaceships. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can t- you know that, okay, this is going to be his end. This is going to be the end of the movie. Is this, you know, it's a classic template to put the end of the film at the start. Mm-hmm. So you kind of knew where you're getting at. So by the time you get to the end, who walks in? But Natalie, I guess. I, <laughs> I honestly, it's not the most easily streamable movie out there. It's hard to get back and really short of googling what happens at the end i was expecting it to come back into memory i i don't even think at the time like i'm <laughs> even giving a crap well she he he's at the bar mm-hmm. he's still alive somehow she comes back yeah because there's a whole thing about sending her away mm-hmm. take the money leave yeah i think there might even be a certain date that they're like we're meeting at this date in this place and then the old i don't Shawshank. think she's there no you know, i think it's like a let down yeah let down he he sees her come in but she's yeah. not actually there oh damn. and it's kind of like uh she's a ghost a he sees of... the ghost of her of his past lover yeah or an oasis. I'm whether sick of the ghost de- thing. Whether she be dead or something like that. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but He's like, been deserted. But uh, Will Patton was in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Who's that dude again? James Cromwell. Oh, yes. Cage. Yeah, that'll do, kid. <laughs> or that'll do, babe. Or yeah. pig. That'll pig. do, babe. <laughs> Fuck. Well, an oinker. Uh, he was a coach in Remember the Titans. He was just in um, Forever Purge. He was also, uh, you know, the the voice of reason in Armageddon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Probably makes about thirty k a year. He does well. But Michael Wincott, Wincott? played Sal. Wincott played Sal, Sal in Romeo's Bleeding. Right. He was kind of the right hand man gangster, the one that was. He, he was the one that would come and intimidate mm-hmm. uh, Gary Oldman. Is he in the photo? He was in um, The Crow. Oh. And he was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Ah, some pedigree. Which I remember he kind of played the same character. Was the uh, kind of the enforcer for... Yeah. Uh, What's his fucking name? Alan Arkin or no Alan uh, Alda? No, from uh, Die Hard. Rickman. Rickman. Alan Rock. Yeah. No, just kidding. Uh, yeah. So there is some star power. You know, people at least showed interest in this film and wanted to be a part of it. Very small roles for some of these people who. Yeah. You know, I guess maybe. They would have already had a good career going for themselves, I think, by then. Yeah, so you think that ten mil budget, none of them on none of it on the screen, mostly all uh star power or what? Yeah, possibly. 
probably five million went into that pool party massacre shot. Oh man, that was when you knew. Uh, okay, this movie might have some balls to yeah, it. Yeah, a little bit of legs. We were watching it uh, pretty blindly. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we watched a trailer for it, uh, and we weren't quite knowing where it's gonna go. And then it showed that scene, and I was like, okay. This is going to be something. As far as femme fatales are concerned, this was one badass bitch. Yeah. Um, you know, she's already wanted for murder or something. Uh, but she not only is a seductress, you know, takes him in the car, uh, has the wire around his neck trying to strangle him out. Mm-hmm. He gets her, uh, shoots her in the arm. Uh, throws her back, takes her out of the car, throws her in the, uh, shoots her in the arm, throws her in the back, and then she comes back at him by putting her legs around his neck. Yeah. And crashes the car. She's laid her handcuffed to the bed. Mm-hmm. And seduces him again. Yeah. Can't pass up this opportunity. No. Kills the mistress. Does. Well, cuts off her. He own. tries to save her. I think yeah. tells her to get lost. Yeah, cuts off her own arm. Yeah, replaces it with the arm of the mistress. Mm-hmm. She didn't see she, that. She already uh, has her arm cut off. That she's done herself. I'm guessing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he. I think he ended up having to put a bullet in her. <laughs> and you know, had to do it, Officer Me. Being bad pays because he's a crooked cop, or just because he's a cop in general. Instead of getting arrested for murder, they just let him walk and go into the uh, witness protection, where now he's just this barkeep. Came Mo. Yeah. He became Mo. Yeah, exactly. What? would you say is your fi- is there anything else that crazy that she did that we should eludes me yeah. what would you say your favorite Gary Oldman movie is I liked him in a lot of movies he is an extreme chameleon hmm. so really you just gotta pick a lane true romance fifth element I would have to go with Drexler from or Drexel from true romance yeah and probably my favorite character Gary Oldman's type but it's such a brief one. Fuck, I do like Fifth Element too. Not a not a starring vehicle. I don't know if I would choose one that it was him all the way through. Mm. Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, or something. Mm. But like Sid and Nancy. But it's not really my favorite of his. Yeah. He's in a lot of movies that I go back to. Yeah, nothing on any film that he's the main character of. But he's just such a great character actor that a lot of the movies a lot of my favorite characters of his he isn't the main role like this one you know what i mean yeah yeah he's the main antagonist in leon the professional it's pretty wild in that yeah dracula i don't think aged very well but i love him in true romance such a small role such a small scene but might be one of the best scenes in the whole movie yeah, it's very early on. Which it is kinda, crazy to say really in that sets one. sets the tone of what's to come. Mm-hmm. I think they can not only thank the writing of Quentin Tarantino, but the the character acting of uh, Gary Oldman for that one. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, Juliette Lewis movie? Which is actually harder to think of one where she's the main character. Other than like Natural Born Killers where she's like, definitely a large primary christmas vacation as a main character what's it called the one the show with the girls on the island yellow oh yeah yeah yeah. i want to get yellow jackets yeah that's where i want to go with this oh my other sister yeah is that what it is yeah so she was uh cape fear california with a k Mm -hmm. she's through the whole film very supporting because like she wouldn't be the main character dust till dawn and she's always playing these kind of similar uh trashy roles kind of like uh taryn uh taryn manning 
who's in Orange is the New Black, uh, Eight Mile. Mm. She has a lot of these uh, roles that she plays, like the kind of the trailer yeah. trashy girl. Leon there. Yeah. But a show that has recently came out where Juliette Lewis is definitely one of the main characters in some form or fashion because she's the present-day version of a character who uh, predominantly you see of the past. Yellow Jackets, I thought, was a great show. Mm-hmm. And like she also playing one of these trashier characters. Double ensemble you know, cast this show. Yeah, if she's getting... Uh, uh, pigeon toed into this this one kind of character, or this is the kind of character she likes mm-hmm. to play, or sees herself in. Uh, she really, she's like a little Sarah Connors. She, she lets you know that yeah, she's still here. Yeah, because you know, there's been quite a few years without me seeing anything from her. No, she's usually pretty great yeah. in everything I see her in. I've never seen her in a dud that I can think of offhand. No. Yeah, you know, I'm always wanting to get other people's opinions on movies like i watched true romance quite a while ago but when i watched it again and fell in love with it again i was you know i made a point of showing everyone that i encountered for like a month to watch this yeah and i watched it like 10 times <laughs> back, like over and over and over just seeing other people's reactions uh you're the same Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always wanted to show people movies that they know they wouldn't have seen. Force it down their fucking yeah. throats. Yeah, or up their. Uh... And would you suggest this movie is someone that is something that uh, people should invest the time into? If they ran out of all the other movies from '93, yeah, I mean, I probably would now that we've watched it. And took the time and that little bit of an investment. Not every part of it lands. From a filmmaker perspective, like I probably wouldn't recommend it to, you know, just anyone. But somebody interested in a genre, you know, seeing how things looked over different years and through different directors' eyes and everything. I wouldn't, just because uh, there's polarizing things. Like, you know, I wouldn't do the narration. I would do the narration, you know what I mean? You get, like, that composition. You see, like, the modern-day approach to some of that thing. And, like, the crane shots. Do you really need this big, dramatic mm -hmm. crane shot? Yeah. There's that gap, Mm. but you're, like, breaching it a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, you're getting to see the other side of it, which is something that uh, is definitely worth doing. Yeah. It was almost a a hangover from the... co-confused 80s yeah (laughs) if you know what i mean yeah but right before things got tarantino-y in the in the hollywood yeah exactly a year prior to pulp fiction Mm -hmm. would have been a year after reservoir dogs so i guess that's when he started pushing the limit and stuff i I don't know how many boundary pushing moments are in this other than like the pool but maybe there is like yeah some gratuitous moments i think pulp fiction really changed the game so this romeo is bleeding chronologically would be the end of an era Mm -hmm. for uh these genre of films on the uh, average there, 6.6 on IMDb. I'm not sure what it is on the tomats. Where do you think that lands for you? I'd give it probably seven severed arms. Seven severed arms. I was going to say seven. Close enough. <laughs> I'll give it that little bump because yeah, exactly. I think it'll give you that edge if you really look. Because there's definitely like the ideas are playing the sea. It's a fun look at like that. Yeah. If this hasn't ruined it for you, then <laughs> forget everything that you just listened to and watch the movie and then watch this episode again. Yeah, and you could be entered into a raffle to oh, win yeah. uh, a two disc copy of Matrix Reloaded. So please, you want to win? Fill out your online raffle ballots. Because I'd rather watch that twice than Matrix 4. Mm-hmm. 6 to 8 p.m. volleyball raffles. 
I just wanted to clear up any confusion. You know, it's not Romeo and Juliet. It's not Romeo Must Die. It's not any of those. Um, but, you know, try and look it up on uh, no streaming yeah. providers. and uh, I'd say it's on the podium as far as Romeo movies go. Yeah. Quick look over here at the things that we have up on right. uh, display first, today. First if movie is the lady. Rich and Strange. Oh. What uh, is it? Lousy double. What? It's so hard Rich to say this at the. Alfred Hitchcock. The classic. lady vanishes? No. What is. What's the top one say? Rich, Rich and, and Strange. Strange. The lady, lady vanishes? vanishes? That's it. Wow. Okay, and next to it, we got Child's Play. Yeah, with Catherine Hicks and Chris Sarandon. Um, What's that movie all about? Yeah, I think Child's Play actually really holds up. Right. If you look at that compared to, uh, like, obviously, Freddy Krueger is the better character. Yeah. Um, taller as well. Taller as well. But uh, a lot of the... And uh, the special effects are kind of hokey and didn't age well, mm -hmm. but uh, Child's Play was really ahead of its time, or at least uh, you know the start of the technology. Well, he was practical because he was. They Pretty. had a kid. They had animatronics. Did they put Gizmo's fur over him? <laughs> uh, the fighter. Yeah. Actually, uh, Mickey Ward and Dickie Eklund both used to fight here in Nova Scotia. Well, they are My just from over there in Boffiston or something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, notice this one looks a little bit madder. So I just thought it was very interesting and wanted to display that uh, just like this Romeo and Juliet pile sitting on top of an, a rare import. Yeah, imported films. Yeah, which, from Japan. Yeah, which are like a fascinating look through. Yeah, and have digital downloads and little. I mean, the sleeves are very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um, yeah, I think this would be all from uh, the Japanese select sounds, more or less. But if you're not going to Japan soon, go to Select Sounds in Bedford. Um, uh, host of A Thousand Corpses. Yeah. I'm a Devil Rejects fan. Yeah. But uh, Rom Zombie really proved himself to be a fun director in this trilogy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's sad that... Um, Sid Haig was so sick by the time they got around to uh, Three from Hell. I loved Captain Spaulding. Yeah. Otis Driftwood, Baby. Yeah. Amazing characters. Uh, a great play on, you know, House of Thousand Corpses is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's so many films that are replicated and taken from and added to. And I think that this is a great version of that. There's a lot that are forgettable. And uh, this doesn't fall into that category. Starring from Romeo Must Die, I believe, Jet Li. Yeah, Lord of Wu-Tang. Yeah, I do not know anything about it. But uh, we have the widescreen version on display. And uh, is there anything at all you can tell us about this today? Uh, I actually, not about the movie itself. Uh, I will tell you this. I definitely bought it without seeing that Jet Li was in it, thinking that this is one of the uh, many films uh, around the Wu-Tang that the Wu-Tang Clan got oh, the name like from. Oh, like some Shaolin classic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which they got from uh, Wu-Tang versus Shaolin. Mm -hmm. But no, this was made... Long after the Wu Tang Clan was, yeah. yeah, they were probably broken up by this point. Yeah, uh, but shout out to Jet Li. Jet Li's got a lot of good films. Full Circle with Romeo Must Die. Yeah, Rest in Peace, DMX, and Aaliyah. And Aaliyah. Whoa. 
Jeez, Curse of the Romeo movie. Curse of the Romeo movie. Watch movies. out, Verona. Watch out, Leonardo. Mercutio. Capulets. Yeah. All the Montagues out there. Better watch your back. Watch what you drink. Primal Fear. A movie that I... Yeah, almost like uh, how I couldn't hang up. Romeo is bleeding. Yeah. It hurts me until I watched it. It hurts me that I have primal fear up there, huh. knowing that it's a great film, but yet still have not. Well, it's from. It. But maybe that's something that we could cover. A lot of courtroom it's classics. That has not been spoiled for me yet. Yeah. I heard it's quite a twist. That's and, true, know, yeah. Every movie gets spoiled to death now, and this is one of the movies that haven't been spoiled for me yet. I watched it when I was very young. I can't really remember the twist, which is good, because that'll give you a good, fresh view. Eh? Courtroom error, drama error. error, and error, 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 error. error. And, um, yeah, there's, like, I think The Client with uh, Conaghy in it, The Time to Kill. Yeah. Johnny Mnemonic there, man. Keanu Reeves, I think he was in maybe one. You know, my cousin Vinny. Yeah. A uh, few good men. few good men, yeah. So there was a ton of them around that time. Just like flared pant legs and clothes liar, from liar. the 90s. The courtroom stuff quite vogue right now. Yeah. Some of the biggest stars on earth are getting back in the courtroom dramas. Yeah. Liar, liar great uh what are you calling me motherfucker courtroom uh comedy yeah uh but he couldn't lie that's the one one thing jim carrey's best films Mm -hmm. and uh fell in love with jennifer tilly in that one and bride of chucky well i already liked her by then Yeah. yeah uh and our last film david cronenberg's stigmata yeah Clementine really got her comeuppance in this one. <laughs> uh, Patricia Arquette, this would have been a succeeding true romance. Uh, it was a funky, original, little psychological thriller that I watched when it first came out and uh, did not disappoint. Yeah. I remember being like pretty taken by it and you know i haven't seen it i think i've only watched it the once so i had to pick it up from uh, select sounds in bedford and uh make sure i watch that again yeah i gotta look at it with some fresh eyes for sure now that i know a lot more about david cronenberg and out of canada highest echelon director there is out there and uh I think Gabriel Byrne is in it as well. Could be. Great actor. Who, Always uh, in Devly stuff back is then. He's a great actor. End of days. Uh, unusual stuff. Suspects. Uh, unusual yeah. Suspects. <laughs> Brian Singer rolling in his <laughs> retirement or whatever. All right, I'm tired, Mastermind. What about you? I am. Better to... Uh, I'm not even making alienate our chairs. All right. The the next episode of uh, Phyllis and the Fiddlywinks. So hopefully Natalie comes back. Maybe she gave him a smile or killed him. I have no idea. Good night. Good night.